I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the fourth season, second episode, The Ten Little Grifters. Jump, almost forgot the title there for a moment, but it's okay. I <laughs> forgot say, what season we were in. Forgot <laughs> what season we were in. Went to say um, episode four, season two. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I just got my numbers mixed up. <laughs> Taking a real step back. Yeah. But Beth, what did you think? Okay. Lots happened in this episode. Yeah. But also kind of nothing happened in this episode. So I'm not 100% sure where I want to start. Do you have anywhere in particular that you're like vibing? Well, I have some really like fun fact or like little behind the scenes trivia. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's hear it. So obviously the name of the episode is a reference to an Agatha Christie novel. Okay, I did not know that. So but specifically, that's why it's called the Ten Little Grifter Job. Clearly, I'm uncultured. And then the other, like, fun little, like, trivia bit that I just really enjoy. You know how Nate's dressed up as a character that you've probably never heard of before? Yes. He's dressed up like that in the original costume of that character because his father played that character. Oh. So, yeah, so the actor who plays Nate, his dad is Ellery Quinn. Huh. There you go. That's a fun little nod. Mm. I like that. There you go. There's, there's my fun little trivia bits huh. for the week. More more trivia than I normally give you. Yeah, normally I get none. Yeah. <laughs> Though I do love the fact that Elliot's like, why does Nate get to pick his own costume? And mm. Sophie's response is because he's just a little bit more of a whiny baby than the rest of you. I did love that. Yeah. Icon. Queen. We also get a stupid hat. We do get a stupid hat. Sorry. And then again, it is the original hat from the original show that he's pulling the detective from. That's so cool. That's so fun. I really love that. It's nice when you have little nods and tie-ins and stuff that are from, like, the actual sort of, like, meta text, I suppose. Mm. Like, because that's such a fun little... Like, they've made it part of Nate's character, but it's also, like... It's just, like, a fun little nod to, like, you know, Timothy Hutton and his father and sort of that heritage there as well. Oh, that's really cute. I'm glad they did that. Because they didn't have to. No, they didn't. Because we do get all of the characters in costume and I, I'm i here for it. I love it. I fucking love all the costuming. Yeah. But for some reason, Hardison's makes me so happy. I don't, I cannot explain to you like exactly why, but it just, it makes me happy. He looks like a cartoon character and I love it. Yeah. Like he just... His costuming, I think, like, so many people went for, like, a more, like, old school type. Yeah. And, like, obviously Cl- uh, Parker is Nancy Drew, but, like, even she has a more classic look. Yeah. But something about Hardison's is just so unique and it, like, stands out, I think, because of that. And it's just so, like, I do love, though, happy. that when Hardison and Parker are standing next to each other, they do look like they match. Yeah. Like, it's very sweet. Like, they seem like a little set. Mm. Yeah, comparatively to everyone else. Because, yeah, even though Parker's look is more classic, it's still more brightly coloured yeah. than basically everyone around her. And then, like, because Hardison is the most brightly coloured, it's, like, a nice little... But they're in, like, similar tones and, like, they just look like they match. And I, I love that for them. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got bloody Elliot who's having a hissy fit about his costume. Elliot is in a weird mood this whole episode. He is, like, pissy. And I get it. I get it because he has that whole bit about like I needed a week to prepare and you make me you made me go in like with no plan and no resources and like I get his pissy but he is like specifically mad yeah especially at Nate and like okay sorry did you have something you wanted to say no 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 go go for it I've already spoken today so there's no (laughs) way you can carry the rest of the podcast Jesus no pressure okay (laughs) 
I want to talk about the fact that Elliot keeps insinuating that maybe Nate killed this guy. And everyone else, like, and Nate at the very end has that, like, argument with Sophie. Well, not argument, but, like, they're a bit snipey. Yeah. And basically he's saying, like, I can't believe any of you would have thought that I would have killed that guy. Like, and Sophie's like, oh, it was just a silly moment. And he's like, yeah, but you had that moment where you thought I might actually have killed that guy. And I fucking hate to say it, but I'm kind of on Nate's team here. Because, like, for as much as he does, he's not a murderous character. And even if he was, why the fuck they would think that he had the skill to snap that guy's neck and throw him off a balcony? Also, just the fact that, like, they had a plan. Like, it's not like, it's not like the plan was going to shit or anything. Like, they had a plan. Like, they, they do this all the time. They have a plan. Like, he, he's not desperate. Like, it's not like. That was my other note. Like, my, my actual note was, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of with Nate on this one. How any of them think he could have snapped someone's neck and for what? Like, for what purpose? They had a plan to take him down. Mm. And none of their plans ever involve straight up murdering the mark. And, like, honestly, like, even Nate says in this episode, you know, and actually I kind of was thinking about this as well. I don't know if this is going to be, like, a new arc that they kind of go on. But he says, like, to Sophie, he's like, oh, it's the same old, same old. You know, we take down the guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he seems kind of, like, I don't know, bored? maybe Hmm. with like the way that their process goes. So I don't know if they're going to maybe start branching out and doing something different this season, which could be interesting, but like, yeah, they have this setup that they do and never ever do they plan on killing the mark. And I would also argue we've had like marks who have way more horrible like things that they've done. Yeah. Like there's marks that deserve death way more than this dude. And like, this is the thing, like no one deserves to be killed, but but, like if you're going to look at it in a spectrum of best to worst in terms of like overall terrible criminal behavior. They didn't murder Murray. They didn't murder Ian Blackpool, who is of course IYS, which is like the whole reason that they come together as a team. And like if Nate was going to have an actual motivation to straight up murder anybody, as a mark in any case, it would have been Blackwell. Yeah. Like because he had a personal vendetta there. Like this is just some fucking random dude. Yeah, it's not like he's... Like, he's doing bad stuff, but it's not like it's specifically worse than anything else we've seen. Mm. And even if it was, like, Nate specifically, personally, did not have any reason to want the guy dead. Yeah, not more so than any other mark that he's... Come up against. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense for it to be framed as, like... Yeah, and, like, all the rest of the team are sort of, like, at first they're, like, well, did you do it, Nate? Nate says, no, I didn't do it. And they sort of take him at his word. Mm. But Elliot is, like... He's so... He presses it so much. And I'm kind of, like, I appreciate that, like, I understand them being, like, well, did you do it? To an extent. Yeah. But I was, like, I don't think any of them actually believe he would have done it. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. And Elliot, of all of them, should know that Nate does not have the skill set to do especially this this sort of murder yeah like because this is not just like shooting someone or stabbing someone or like yeah it's not from a distance no it it requires a specific amount of technical skill yeah and it's not it's also not like technical skill from a distance it is hand-to-hand combat and he needed to be quick and he needed to like premeditate it yeah and they know Nate's plan. And Elliot also made the point that they have not spent enough time coming up with the plan as it is. Let alone Nate also having time to premeditate a murder. Like, it just, yeah. It it makes sense that they're all like, well, did you do it? But, like, the fact that, like, 
yeah, like he just doesn't take Nate as, at his word and there's no reason for him not to. Yeah, and it's not like, like Nate's really drinking heavily here because if he was drinking heavily and like he was off the deep end, then okay, I would understand them being a bit more sus. But like he's pretty much sober at this point. Like, like he hasn't got his drinking under control, but he's also not off the rails like he was at the end of, say, like season two. Yeah. Or even like... We've certainly seen him a lot worse. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make sense that Elliot is so, like, suspicious of Nate and the potential of him doing it. Though we do get the line from Sophie, I'm relieved you're not a killer. Which is just like, it's like, okay, but you were seriously doubting that? like Yeah, like, I honestly think the people of the, like, four of them, the people who had the most understandable reactions are Parker and Hardison. Because Parker straight up is like, well, did you do it? Which is totally in character for her. And he says he no. He says no. And she's like, okay. Up. And she's like, well, he says he didn't do it. So he didn't do it. There's no reason for him to lie to us. If mm-hmm. he lies to us, he knows. Here's the thing. Like, he knows that if he did actually murder the Mark, the easiest way for him to get away with it would be to work with the rest of the team to get away with murdering the Mark. Yeah. But, like, they're not just out here murdering people for funsies. Mm. And, like, if he did murder someone, then it would be in his best interest to tell the team so they can help him get away with it. Yeah, and it's also not like they would have any real moral standing to be like, oh my god, I can't believe you just killed someone, because that was literally Elliot's paid job. Yeah, it's like, Elliot Elliot can't really criticise considering Elliot and what he's done. Exactly. So, like, the fact that he is the maddest and most judgy out of all of them honestly makes zero fucking sense. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't know. It just confused me the whole episode. Like, I just, I don't understand how it, how it works, you know? It just, something doesn't seem to be adding up here. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of other things that didn't add up, I want to get your opinion. I think it's Capriati or Capriette, something like that. Capriati. Yes, thank you. So there's like a line at the very start when we first see him interacting with the Mark and he's like basically storming out of the office and the Mark then says to them with like, he like winks and he's like, oh, guy still thinks unions matter, right? Mm. And I'm like, okay, so they're establishing that this, the Mark is a prick because yeah. like obviously like you should unionize because, you know. This, well. is, this entire show is very heavily in the pro-union yeah, unionization yeah. sort of space. Which is great. We love to see it. But then like throughout the rest of the episode, the guy who is pro-unions is also framed as this like dick. And to be fair, I think that's just mainly for like the stereotype of like the, you know, like Italian union guy sort of thing. Like it, it is a trope that shows up a decent amount in like media and that, but it is also Maybe like- I'm just not familiar with it then because I had no idea what they were trying to do with that guy. I was like, is uh, he supposed okay, to so just be like, a red herring? Like- the, the union mobster sort of thing is like a, it's a, it's a trope. Okay. It's not like, it's not so much common anymore, but it used to be like a more common trope. Okay. So I think they're just leaning into like the tropey murder mystery sort of of it all. Okay, because I had no idea what that was in reference to. I was like, why is this guy somehow being framed as both a good guy and a villain? Like, I am confused. Um, but that if that's like some kind of trope and I'm just not familiar with it, then that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it's a trope. Like, I might be going insane, but like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like, you know, that's, it, it is it is a trope. Like, the, yeah. the union guys sort of being like that is, is fully a trope. Okay. Though we do need to talk about Sophie's speech at the end of the episode. Okay. Do you have something specifically? I just want to read it out to you and get your thoughts on it. So are you climbing into that bottle because of what you think when we see when we look at you or because of what you see in the mirror? (sighs) 
See, here's the thing about that. I was going to write it down and then I didn't. And my reason for that is that I think that it's a little misplaced because we've kind of had this from Nate already. Mm -hmm. Like this question posed before the season two finale, totally. Yeah. This question posed now at the beginning of season four, like feels a little lackluster because we've kind of had Nate's arc of him being honest and upfront about who he is and what he does like as a person, you know? And I understand that in the context of like, you know, maybe he was thinking about, well, like, do I have what it takes to actually kill a person kind of thing? Like maybe that's kind of what they're leaning into. But I didn't really think that it quite fit because we haven't had Nate like struggling with the concept of being a murderer. Like that's not a, you know what I mean? And like at this point, like I said, he's not sober, but he's certainly not struggling with his drinking in the same way he has been. So like, I, I wasn't quite sure how to take it. It just felt a little out of place to me, but I'm interested if you have thoughts, because often if I don't pick up on certain things, you will have a really interesting explanation that makes me understand it and like it better. Well, I mean, I don't know if I have a super interesting explanation. I just think it's an interesting, again, an interesting point of the season to sort of be highlighting that Like, even though Nate has, like, gotten a hell of a lot better with, like, his alcoholism and that, like, he is still actually struggling. Mm. Just because he's more functional these days and he's not quite as, like, he's not a hot mess like he was. Yeah. Like, I think it's interesting. He's still a mess. Yeah, they're still highlighting, oh, yeah, no, he's still, like, he is still very much a mess. Like, it is not, like, Mm. it is Mm. not a thing that has just, like, gone away. Like, it's still there. It's just not at the surface anymore like it's become more of a you know you only see it when it sort of becomes real bad yeah i suppose so i just yeah it just feels like a strange sticking point and like i understand him being upset that they would think that he was a murderer but i think for me the confusion just comes from i don't understand why they would think that yeah like they had a plan the plan was not going great but it was still working it wasn't like like they had come up against difficulties but like no difficulties that they hadn't sort of planned to overcome one thing i actually really did like about this episode is hardest in saying like don't complain about an issue unless you're coming up with a solution kind of thing like i think oh yeah like it seems like that's sort of the new motto it's like yeah don't just whinge about an issue come up with a solution yeah if you don't like it fix it suggest an alternate plan yeah and i kind of like that i think that that's good specifically for this scenario but also like i think that it's nice that it applies it implies that off screen at some point Hardison and Nate have had this discussion where, um, mm-hmm. when Nate has basically said, Hardison, like, if you are having a problem with something, then find a way around it. Like, if you're having an issue, then that's fine, but, like, work to fix it. Don't just complain about how it's hard. Yeah, and I like think you've that to... that's relevant to his character. Yeah, you've got to actually make sure that you're coming up with solutions as well as just... Yeah, if you can identify a problem, that's great, but... That's just the first step. You need yeah. to actually learn how to work with what you've got to actually do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also coming into, like, that sort of thing of, like, this season, Hardison is campaigning not so hard at the moment, but, like, he does campaign pretty hard to, like, get the training to run his own crew. So Which it's like something that he brought up ages ago. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, a long time coming, I suppose. Yeah, and it's, like, it's this sort of thing of, like, if he's going to run his own crew, if he wants to run his own crew, he has to understand that, like, You can't just whinge to your crew Mm -hmm. about how it's not going your way. You need to actually come up with a solution to be able to push past it. Yeah, yeah. 
Though while we are talking about Hardison, my boy, I do love the fact that he's like, what, you think I can't get an invite to the party? Like, I've been to the Oscars every year since I was 15. I know, and I love it. And I also love that they show him there. Like, because they did not need to do no, that. Like, it was such a fun addition. Like, you know that he's not lying about something like that. Like, mm. he could 100% do that. Like, yeah. I also love him and Parker interacting this episode. Like, when Parker is asking him, like, oh, you know, like, that thing where people, like, don't like tight spaces, and he's like, oh, claustrophobia? Like, baby girl, you of all people... (laughs) Don't need to worry about that one. Like, you're fine. Yeah, and I really like their little, like, dynamic, and I think it was very fun. Also, I wanted to talk about a couple of points in this episode where I was like, oh, that's going to be relevant later. And then I like felt vindicated pretty much immediately. So first of all, I liked that we got to see like Parker measuring. Mm. And I liked that she was like, oh, the dimensions. Like, she, like I like that we get to see her picking up on that and like understanding that something is sus about it. I really like this episode in the way of like, because it's a murder mystery, they've really leaned into that sort of murder mystery, like, can you work out who did it sort of thing. Mm. So, like, they're really careful to make sure they give you all of the clues that you would need to actually be able to work it out. Like, I feel like a lot of times with leverage, they're not going to, like, because they want that really nice, like, twist at the end where it's like they just didn't give you enough so there was no chance of you actually guessing it ahead of time. Or it was, like, slim. Or it was, like, slim to none. Like, you know, there's a chance, but it's... It, it's 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 a pretty tight squeeze of a chance. Like mm-hmm. it's not they're not going through and sort of being like, oh yes, this is exactly how it sort of works. Yeah, they're not gonna make it easy. They're not gonna make it easy for you. But like I do really like that this episode because they were like, we're doing the murder mystery. They really committed to doing the murder mystery. Like they didn't half ass it. Like No. Although I do. Okay. First of all, I am really frustrated because I was thinking, I was like, oh, it was the cop. Like, yeah. I I worked it out. And then I was like, wait a minute. I was like, no. Because he was doing the whole thing where he was, like, inspecting the blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was made a point of being like, well, this is definitely, like, real blood. And he mm-hmm. took photos of it. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, it wouldn't be him. Because if it was him, why would he bother? Yeah. Like, that was the pit where I was like, well... Like, I was pretty sure it was him. And then I remembered that that had happened. And I was like, oh, well, I guess it's not him. And then here's the thing. I was like, okay, it's not the cop. It's the daughter and the guy she was hooking up with. So I picked that it was the daughter well ahead of time. And I picked that it was the guy she was hooking up with. I just didn't realize the guy she was hooking up with was the cop. Yeah. I was thinking about the dude that we actually see her, like, making out with at the party. Yeah. So I did kind of get it. Just in a roundabout sort of way. In a way. roundabout sort of way. Which, I mean, the thing is, it's sort of like that thing of, well, he, yeah, he was checking out the crime scene because he realised with Nate standing there. He had a scapegoat. He had a scapegoat and he couldn't get away with not doing his job because he was there. And if he wanted to use Nate as a scapegoat, he has to do his job. Otherwise, it looks hella suspicious. Mm-hmm. So it's like this thing of it's really, it's really, really fun to see like, oh, no, his plans changed. Yeah. Like to avoid suspicion, the way to do it is to pin it on Nate. And he's Mm -hmm. like using that. And he's like, okay, well, if I'm going to pin it on Nate, I've got to do my job and make it look. Yeah. Like I actually investigated. Like I tried. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I figured out that it was the daughter. Yeah. Because when Parker finds her making out with the dude in the pantry, I, I was like, oh, there's like a switch box. Yeah. Behind them. And I was like, the lights have been flickering this whole time. The lights specifically flicker. Yeah. Like when, and then I was like, oh. 
Did you pick up that the pattern of the lightning was different? I didn't. That's what I was just about yeah. to say. Like, so when Nate pointed that out, I was like, oh, that's really fun. That's really clever. And like, you could pick it if you were paying attention yeah. or if you just happened to like notice it. But I did pick that, but I did pick the fuse box and I did register like, oh, okay. Like, it's a really interesting thing, like to actually have picked up because it's mm. not, it's not the sort of thing that you typically notice. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's sort of more obscure. It's like the sort of thing where you only notice if you're paying like an insane amount of attention. Yeah. Like absolutely insane levels of intention to like actually pick up on the fact that, yeah, no, like it is fully in the wrong order. And like you can see that in the original run through. In the original run through when Nate originally gets framed for it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really, I really like the way they did this episode. Like, I love the fact that they really leaned really heavily to, like, the tropes of the genre. Like, the lighting is very, like, dark and moody and, like, you know, it's... I did really love the vibe of the storm. Mm. And, like, I recognize that they did it for effect. Like, you know, obviously they wanted to do the flickering lights and stuff. But I do think that the audio of having the lightning and the audio of the lightning, you know, the audio of having the thunder and, like, the flickering lightning and the lights going, I just thought it was so atmospheric. Yeah. Um, And I think, obviously, they needed it for the plot. But I think it also added something just to the overall vibe of, like, the energy of of the episode. They, this season, I think, is the season where, like... Up to this point, they've been leaning into, like, genre and tropes. Mm-hmm. But this season, they really decide, like... Step into it. No, fuck it. If we're doing a themed episode, we're doing a themed episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't... Like, it, they have a lot more fun playing with sort of the elements of the episode to be able to, like, actually sort of go all the way and, like, really lean heavily into it. Yeah. I also, like, there were a couple of little bits about this episode that I just thought were really fun details that you didn't necessarily need to include, but they were just, like, just a little bit extra. Yeah. One of the facts is that it was Misery Island, which I just thought was just a perfect choice. Which I'm pretty sure is actually, like, there are actual islands named that just off the coast of Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I've heard of it. Like a just made up for like leverage thing. Like it is actually there are genuinely islands that were private islands for a long time that you could theoretically buy that were called Misery Island and they were yeah located just off the coast of Boston. Yeah. Like it's not like a a random choice. Like that that is a hundred percent like they didn't just go, Oh, we're gonna call it Misery Island for the fun of it. Like it Mm -hmm. is genuinely like that is the name it's a potential yeah you know it's giving a location yeah i do have one question about and i don't know if this is just something that i'm like overthinking but about the actual con that they're running yeah because basically this lady comes to the start of the episode and she's saying that she needs the blueprints to prove her case right yeah and i get that i totally get that yeah what i'm confused about is that how is she supposed to explain to the courts how she obtained the blueprints if they are not available for the public record and if he was refusing them to her? Like, if he says, I did not authorise the release of these blueprints and she could not access them from, like, the city council or something, then how the fuck is she explaining how she obtained those records? I'm assuming that, like, Hardison's just coming up with a way. Like, it's like plot, 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 convenience, convenience, convenience. You are watching Leverage. Like, it is... Okay, here's the thing. Like, they're getting this thing for their victim of the week. Once they've got it for the victim, it doesn't matter. The victim needs to figure it out from there. Once they've got it, no, the, like, Hardison is just faking the paper trail to make it look legit. Like, it's the same with, like, you said, I think it was in the stall job. You're like, well, now they've got this orphan, how are they getting back (laughs) into the States? It's like, well, Hardison is faking a paper trail. Like, 100%, anytime it's anything like this. 
partisan is faking a paper trail. Like it is just, you would just assume that they think through their plans so much that I doubt they're just going to leave them sort of like up in the lurch with these things that legally they're not meant to have. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like Hardison's not leaving them to fend for themselves. Like they're going to all of this effort and all of this work to like get these things. They're not going to put them in a position where they have to like potentially lose them or not be able to use them. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have an answer. Hardison is my answer. <laughs> I love, like, any time where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. It's just like, yeah, well, Hardison exists, so loophole closed. (laughs) Not my fault that Hardison's chicken. Oh, okay. This kind of brings me to another point that I had about this episode. Now, last week's episode, we went on a whole little side topic about how fucking good Sophie is, right? She's running all of these different cons in the same room on different people with different fucking accents and outfits, and she's immaculate, fantastic, incredible. And as ridiculous as that scenario was, I, like, my belief remained suspended. Like, I was like, I can fully understand how this would actually be possible. Very small chance of it running properly, but technically it's possible. Like, there's enough wiggle room there for it to actually feasibly occur. Yeah. I would argue that as good as Sophie is, this would literally never fucking work. I think the key thing here is it's not working. Like, she is just barely keeping it under control. Like, the very most bare version of keeping, like, the the people in the room under control. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't have this under control. She's just barely keeping them at bay. Yeah. I don't know. I just... In this particular instance, I was just like, this is a little, this is a step too far. Like when there was that person who's like, I'm a doctor. Will you at least let me examine the body? And they're like, no. I was like, there is no fucking way. I, like, yeah. Like, and here's the thing. Like, I feel like if you're going, oh no, it's a lifelike dummy. There's no point you. It's mm. like. It's, it's like, suspicious. okay, well then let me look at it then. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing. I think if the party had been anything other than murder mystery themed, obviously this wouldn't have worked. I honestly think even the fact that it was murder mystery themed, like. There was so much happening where people were like, we've put so much fucking time and effort into this. There's no way he changes it last minute. Like, there's no way he does anything without running it past me. I was like, there is way too much doubt already seated in this room. Like, the amount of doubt that they have about the situation is way more than Sophie would normally have to sew to pull apart an entire organization. Like, so I just, I was like, this is just a smidge too far i think no see i personally i love sophie and she's just that good and oh i'm not this is not against sophie this is more i think like in the writing like i just don't think the scenario is as believable as typically they make it and like that's like you know neither here nor there i suppose it is fiction yeah but i'm just saying like in this instance i think that it was just a little too far for my belief to be appropriately suspended and for me to be like yeah this could feasibly work well that sounds like a you problem (laughs) so do you know what's funny the only reason that i pointed out is because leverage is usually so good at walking that line of like this is almost impossible like they have found a way to make it believable 
But like there really is only like one solution in which this does all tie together as well as it does. And so like normally they walk that line so well that sometimes when they have an episode like this where I feel like they misstep, it feels like a more glaringly obvious misstep to me because I'm so used to them doing it so well. Normally it's like lovely and tightly plotted. Yeah, so like like honestly it's more of a credit to them that they're normally way better than this. For me to be watching this and go, oh, this is not up to scratch. I love how you're like, you know what? It's because I like it that I'm just kind of bullying it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's an option, I guess. (laughs) I just, it's just one of those things where like, I I think I've said this before, but they set themselves quite a good standard. And so like, if they fall below that standard, it's more obvious than if they were just sort of slightly less good normally. I don't know if that makes any sense. My point is that normally that they they have such a tight like plot line and that you can see exactly how it all falls together and you can understand why the mark like why the gaslighting techniques are working or like however whatever. In this case I just feel like it just there's no way regardless of how good Sophie is that she would be able to control that many people at all. Like there's yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that like at least not all of those people would have just gone back to drinking and partying like because it also appears like no one is trying to solve the crime that's the other thing like it appears like only the crew is trying to solve the crime and they're also the only ones who know that an actual crime occurred (laughs) like theoretically theoretically um i don't know like i obviously like for me where it wins more believability points is just the fact that sophie's not like people are questioning like Mm. she is She's running around like a fucking headless chook trying to keep this under control. Like, and it's not working the greatest. One thing that I did like is the character who, I don't know if we actually get a first name for him, but the surname is Potter. Mm. And he is fucking adorable. He was giving me such McSweetums vibes and I loved it. Also, I'm going to point it out here because I feel like you did it the other day when we were recording too. You just called him McSweetums. It's McSweeten. Oh. (laughs) Well. I was like. I heard you say it the other day. I'm like, oh no, she must have just misspoken. And you've just said it then again now. So I will- I'm wondering if maybe my phone is auto-correcting it. And I just haven't seen him in long enough. And it sounds similar enough that I'm just not. Not even questioning yeah. it. Like, but no, it's Mick Sweeten. Okay, so Potter is giving me Mick Sweeten vibes. Apologies yeah, for fun. my misstep. No, that's all good. I was like, when you did it once. Because it like, like okay. spaces between Mick and Sweetums too. So I'm wondering if it's just putting the, like, because it's like a pet name. I wonder if it's just populating it. <laughs> um, so that's on my Samsung. <laughs> but that is... Yeah. Well, it's like when we were recording for Supernatural the other day and it like auto-corrected to like Chuckles Bamboo or something, like, which is nonsense, but who knows? It's fun nonsense, Mm. at least. Okay. I really, really, really loved a particular shot in this episode and Mm. it comes from when um, Elliot is wheeling Parker into like the office, like in the bin. Yeah. And he's like going through, which first of all, I love that as a cover. Like, Mm. I think it's great because those bins are perfectly human size. Yeah. But- that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to come back to the word suspicious. But so when he's like, you know, organizing that, and I like that it's just like the subtlety of him just like tapping on the side of the bin. And like, that's how yeah. she knows that it's all clear to like reach out and pick the lock. And, you know, I quite liked that. I really loved when he let her into the room and he got out the cleaning cloth and was like pretending to wipe down the glass on the door. Mm. Once we're inside the office with Parker and you can see Elliot's silhouette like moving because they don't actually show him cleaning the glass from the outside. You only see it from the inside of the office. And I just thought it looked really nice. Like the artistry of that particular shot was just, it really, it really made me very happy. 
What a what a shot to be like, ah, yes, artistry. Well, I think it was very nice. I think it was very aesthetically pleasing. You're a unique one sometimes, Beth. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I should be insulted. <laughs> oh, there, there are shots in this episode that I'd call, like, you know, interesting or cinematic, but that's not necessarily one of them. Oh, I just think like, it's really cool. I love the idea and I love the concept of, like, you can see him and, like, it's very clear that he's doing it for the cover and, like, it obviously works, but, yeah. I just, I like it. I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's funky. I think it's fresh. <laughs> um, oh, well, I just love the fact that Sophie, like, panics a little bit and the name she gives is Mystery Inc. Oh, my God. Which is just... Fucking Scooby-Doo. So funny. Well, there's like, there's obviously that, which is a Scooby-Doo reference this episode. Mm. We've also obviously got all the references, which are the costumes. Yeah. And then we've also got the reference of something McCoy and Baker. I didn't write down the exact, but I was like, oh, they're the Doctor Who names. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, look, we've got Doctor Who reference. And given that they've already had a Doctor Who reference this episode, I I feel like maybe the scene with Parker and Nate as they're like miming to each other behind the security guard was like it was Ken like and a, Donna. Yeah. Yes, like, I had like, that thought. Like it just it seemed really familiar to mm-hmm. me. Like something about that, I was like, mm, yeah, that seems that like that is giving me big Doctor Who. Yeah. Ten Donna vibes. I had the exact same thought, although I was watching it and I was like, I. Like, I think one of the um, incredible things about David Tennant and Catherine Tate's performance in that scene is that you can fully understand and follow the conversation they're having. I had no idea what Nate and Parker were trying to say. The only reason I knew was because they were, like, subtitles or whatever. But, like, I was, like, I am so lost about (laughs) what you guys are saying. Like, clearly they are understanding each other. And I think maybe that says something about, like, the way that they understand each other at a more fundamental level. But as an audience member, I was, like, oh, I am not following this. Like, if I was in this scenario, like, if I was Parker, I would have no idea what Nate was telling me. Like, I think the fun thing really is, like, obviously we've come from last week where we get the really big sort of, the big dramatic scene where it's sort of like Parker and Elliot relate to each other and they're Mm -hmm. like, we are the same. Like, we, like, we understand each other even if the rest of the team doesn't understand or can't necessarily do what we do. Yeah. Um, I think it's really fun because then, like, we've got basically the exact same concept in this scene, Mm -hmm. but instead of being a big dramatic speech, you have... A much more fun. You've got a much more fun. You've got, like, Nate and Parker just miming to each other to, like, convey it. And, like, yeah, like, most people wouldn't necessarily understand what they were on about. Mm, but that's not the point. But the the joy and the beauty is that it, it doesn't matter because they understand each other. Yeah, yeah. And I do love that for them. I do really love that for them. And I think that comes back to what I mentioned earlier. Like, Parker straight up says to Nate, like, well, did you, like, did you do it? And he yeah. says no. And she's like, okay. And she moves on. She understands that there is literally no reason for Nate to lie to the team. Yeah. Like, if he did it, it doesn't hurt, help anybody by denying it. Like, And I also think that she trusts him to, like, such an extent that she's like, he would not lie to me. Yeah. Not like, about, you know. He yeah. understands that lying to me and the team would just put us all in more danger, which is not necessary. Yeah. Like, we are already at risk. He's not going to increase that risk by lying to us about something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I love that for them. I do love that for them. Actually, another, this is, it's not like a comedic thing, but it reminded me of a comedic thing. So I don't know if we ever actually get the first name of the daughter in this. I think they refer to her pretty exclusively as Miss Beck. Yeah. Um, but she gave me such Mona Lisa Park and Rec vibes. Oh my God. Yes. Like money, please. Like that entire energy. I couldn't remember her name. I had to Google it, but I was like, oh my God, it's just John Ralphio's sister, but in leverage. (laughs) Like she's really out here doing the most. Like, and I was watching her and that character in Parks and Rec really annoys me. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it here, I was like, oh, like, she's a villain, so it's like... It's intentional. Yeah, like, in Parks and Rec, it feels kind of like they want you to kind of begrudgingly like her. And I'm like, no, she's so annoying. But here, I'm like, oh, no, she's literally a murderer. I'm allowed to hate her. Great. Like, the design is to hate <laughs> her. Like... Yeah, yeah. Look, I do want to talk about Elliot this episode, though. Okay. Because I think he's very fucking funny in this episode. Mm. He has, like, his chip has returned full force. He was happy for two minutes when they beat Moro, and now he's a grumpy bastard once more. Mm-hmm. I do love the fact, though, that A, he whinges about his costume more than literally anybody else. And I love that Sophie's like, he was a cowboy. <laughs> like, she's trying like, to sell him on it. She's like, see, you should like him. He's a cowboy. Which... So funny that that's how she thinks she's going to get him to like this character. I know. I love that for you, Sophie Sweet. (laughs) You're doing so good. I also just think it's hilarious that Nate's like, well, we're out, Sophie. Like, Sophie cannot do her normal job because obvious reasons. She's currently trying to keep a crowd of people under control. And it's not working very well, but she's... She's doing her best. She's doing her best. It's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, And then you get Elliot's version of adapting. Oh my god, yeah, which is not really adapting at all. It's just continuing to do the thing he normally does, but like without drawing attention. <laughs> like he is, he's really like, I'm adapting. He's like, the way I get information is normally messy and violent. And then bloody Nate is like, no, you've got to adapt. You're you're a grifter tonight. You've got to pretend to be our grifter for the night. You're the one who's got to get the information because like Nate's ruled out because everyone thinks he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. Sophie's ruled out because she's on crowd she's control. On crowd control. Parker and Hardison are still on the safe search. Mm-hmm. So she's like, no, you have. He's like, you have to do it, Elliot. And Elliot is like, I'm just going to assault a couple of people, like just real just, quick, just casual, just like you know. As, as one does. Mm, mm-hmm. Which means that he has to sort of find justifiable reasons for assaulting other people in the middle of the party. Oh my god, I know. I li- I think my favourite one is when he just like pushes the guy over from behind. Yeah. And he's like, bro, watch where you're going. Like fully gaslighting him as if he didn't just shove him over. <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't trip you. You fell. It's like, I tried to catch you. That's why you felt my hand on your back. It wasn't because I was pushing you over forcefully. Like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll just fully gaslight you a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Speaking of gaslighting, although I don't know if it really is. Actually, no, that's a terrible segue. Pretend I didn't say that. Please cut that from the edit because it makes no sense. And I'm Dear future Jamie. Dear future Jamie. Please leave this in. Please don't. Beth hates it. <laughs> One other thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, the team kind of and how they function in this episode. Nate takes out his fucking comms. And I understand that he's like, guys, be quiet. Like, I need to think for a minute. I get it. I get it. But I'm also like, when has this ever gone well, guys? When has this ever been a good idea? Like, normally it's Elliot who pulls out his comms and then immediately someone else is in danger. Because, you know... That just seems to be the way it goes. That just seems to be the way it goes. So I think it's very funny that we get, yeah, we get Nate who's like, I'm going to pull out my comms so I can think. 
<sighs> and like, I get it. I get it. But I'm also like, Nate. You've seen buddy, how this has gone in the past. We've been at this for four years. <laughs> it's never gone well once in all that time. It, yeah. I mean, we didn't have too many, like, negative ramifications in this particular scenario, but, like, I was like, come on, bro. I did love the fact that they made it, like, they tied it in. It was like, he took out his thing, he got attacked, so he ran. He ended up in the library, which he'd been told, like, two hours earlier, there's a pipe wrench in the library. I did like that. Because he's whinging about how long it took him to hide it in the library. Mm -hmm. I did like that. I thought it was very clever that, you know, Nate was like, oh, I know exactly where to go. Yeah, like, it was everything's connected Mm -hmm. like it it's the sort of thing where you can go oh i see like i can follow the line of thinking i can follow that thought yeah you can track it yeah yeah here is a thought i couldn't track okay obviously basically everyone in attendance at this party hates the guy who died yeah and he hosts these parties annually yeah why do they keep coming if they're just gonna show up for him to be rude be drunk and then make fun of them for losing a game he, like, orchestrated. Why would they keep coming back? I Look, I don't know. I would attend one <laughs> be like, yeah, no, that was not fucking worth it. And not go back again. Maybe it's, like, the sort of, like, social proprietary thing. Like of, an like, obligation of, like, oh, like, it's an industry It's an industry event. thing. Like, if you, if you don't go, then you're probably going to miss out on shit that could be important. It's like networking. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like... If everyone agrees this guy kind of sucks, why don't you just have a different party and not invite, like, on the same night? I mean, like, oh, sorry, I have a prior engagement. I just find it really weird that he would invite the union, dude. Like, yeah, like, this is my thing. I'm like, everyone here hates this man. Yeah. Theoretically, except the police officer, but even the police officer has reason to dis- like, I, it, it baffled me. I was like, I don't like going to social events for people I do like. Like, you wouldn't catch me dead at a party for someone I detested. Like, why would I do that to myself annually? <laughs> so that was very confusing for me personally. Oh, my God. I realized I forgot the most important note that I had of all of my notes. Oh, shit. Hardison's little I like stealing, you like cunning. I love that little song. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but it gives me so much joy. That's very cute. I did love Hardis in this episode. He was such a cutie. When he punched the officer out and, like, he was so excited about it. And then, like, the bit where Parker, like, pulls him through the wall. It was just like, I was like, oh, this is fun. I just think it's really convenient for him to, like, that he doesn't really have claustrophobia. Mm. Like, and that he also completely misinterprets her question. Yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, no, I love his vibe this episode. I think it's very fun. I also loved his whole point where it's just like, could you at least just tell me where you're like, the comms don't work in here. Although I was confused about that because I was like, they don't really give a reason as to why the comms wouldn't work. I think it's because the walls are meant to be thick and the signal's already not great because they're in the middle of kind of nowhere. Yeah, and a giant house. Yeah. Did they mention the fact that the house is giant and like confusing so many times? Like I think Sophie mentions it, Nate yeah. mentions it, Hardison mentions it. I can't remember if Elliot does, but, like, they make a big point out of it. Yeah. Because, like, the fact that the house is big, old, and confusing is, like... Half the plot. Is key. Yeah. Is key to the plot. The plot doesn't work if the house is not big, old, and confusing. Mm. I do love that Elliot at some point just ends up in the boathouse. I'm like, how did you... (laughs) Like, you just wandered out of the party, found the boathouse, and then it got bored and went back. Like, I love that for you. It's, like, the equivalent of, like, finding the room with the dog in it and just Mm. hanging out in there the whole time. I do love the fact, though, that you can, like, yes, you see Parker, like, measuring out. And, like, but Parker, like, just spots it. She's like, the dimensions are off. Mm. Like, this layout doesn't make sense. Like, something, like, I'm not, 
Something's not computing. Yeah. 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 And that's what I was saying before. Like, I really like that we get to see, like, a lot of the time we get to see Elliot assessing a scenario yeah. and pointing out, like, oh, like, that person's, you know, ex-CIA or whatever. Like, it's a very distinctive haircut, you know, or, like, we get to see Sophie surveying, like, social interactions. We get to see Nate sort of surveying things just generally and clicking things together. Mm-hmm. Hardison less so, but only because he more works in the, like, realm of tech so yeah. it's less him surveying an area and more him surveying a screen looking yeah. for discrepancies. It's nice to see Parker being able to observe things in her environment that makes sense for her to pick yeah. up on specifically that the others wouldn't really have reason to. And up like, to this point, we've seen a lot of it in the form of like she can spot security systems and like she counts guards, mm-hmm. like that sort of stuff she does a lot. But I think this is the first time when you really see just how good her like spatial awareness is. Yeah, and it has to be because yeah. of like, you know, obviously she's used to, we talk about claustrophobia she's used to being in vents we know she loves air you know and like elevator shafts and like bits and pieces and you know we we're talking last week about the the cave and like making sure they had enough like rope and whatever to yeah. get out and it's like it's all very similar hmm. skill set that's like yeah. transferable between situations and so i liked i also like seeing her measure things like using her feet because obviously yeah. like that's what she had available she didn't have a measuring tape you know attached to her hip or something like so she's going to measure with things that she always has with her. Yeah, like there's literally no reason for her to like have a measuring tape. She doesn't yeah, know that that exactly. would be something that would be necessary. Okay, I have a question for you. And this yeah. is like, this might come out of the pod because it's just like really specific to me personally. But Naomi thinks I'm an insane person because I measure things with my leg. My leg from my heel, like where it touches the floor to like my hip joint is exactly a meter. And so whenever we're measuring for furniture or something, I will just like measure it against my leg and then it gives me a pretty good estimate of like how tall it is or like I can stick my leg along a couch and be like oh yeah it's about a leg and a half kind of thing and like you know and like measure things that way am I insane like <laughs> yeah it seems Maybe really it convenient. I'm psychotic like, <laughs> like it's just so much easier like don't get me wrong I don't think it's like a this is the most psychotic thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> but like and I also don't think it's like you know, absolutely, I don't see how this is your train of thought mm. sort of worthy. But, like, it's insane that your leg is exactly one meter long. Yeah. Like, what a... It's pretty... It's pretty... What a choice for nature to... <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. Like, it just kind of happened. Like, they really were like, Beth's just going to have exactly a meter long leg. Yeah. It's so convenient, though, and Naomi thinks I'm a lunatic. And I'm like, no, like, I just know how tall things are because I can measure it against my leg. (laughs) It makes furniture shopping, like, way easier because I don't have to worry about bringing measuring tapes and stuff. I do not have exactly a meter-long leg. So I just do things like a normal person and measure them in arms. (laughs) Not in feet, like Parker? No, arms. (laughs) Most of the time, arms. Like, I guess if it's distance on ground than feet, but, like, mm. generally speaking, arms are more convenient. Yeah, that's fair. Though I can't measure it to be like, oh, my arm's exactly one meter long because it's Yeah, tall. like, it would. I can still measure things against my limbs, but it's just very convenient that my leg is a meter long. Like, it just is very, you know, applicable, I suppose. Can't relate. <laughs> I have normal length limbs, like a normal person. <laughs> At what point was the meter long leg part the weird part of that? <laughs> Is that abnormal? <laughs> yeah. Why? Like, I'm sure people have meter long limbs, but like, 
Most people don't then use them to measure things. Well, okay. And don't know that their legs exactly meet along. I think actually the knowing is the weird part. <laughs> like, upon reflection. You're telling me you don't just measure your limbs for fun? No. <laughs> I have literally never measured my limbs oh, for damn, fun. Damn, you're really missing out. <laughs> it can really come in handy. Okay, well, I have nothing else to add today. Do you have anything else you'd like to add into today's discussion? I am all tapped out. All right, lovely. The next... Uh, the next? No, that's the wrong section. <laughs> Alrighty, lovely. So how would you rate episode two of season four, The Ten Little Grifters Job? I gave it a 3.25. Like, I liked it. I no, don't... two fives. Okay. No, this is cheating. Okay. In that case... <sighs> no one else does that, Beth. Okay. Look, in that case, I'll give it a three. Because I, I didn't want to give it a 3.5. Okay. But I didn't... I felt like three was, like, a little harsh. But I'll, I'll round down if I'm allowed to point two five because I think that the episode was fun. I really liked that they leaned into the genre and, like, the bit. I thought that the costuming was great. I Like I said, I liked the sound effects and the lightning and, like, those fun little bits. Yeah. But I don't think it's one that I'll be, like, rushing to go back to. Yeah. No, I'm much the same. Like, I like this week's episode. I think it's really fun. But it's, like, it's not one that I go back and rewatch a lot. Like, mm. I think it's fun, but I don't think it's, like, particularly... Like, it's not particularly fun for... Like, it, it's fun, but it's not like, oh, my God, this is, like, an essential leverage episode. Yeah. I can't remember what I rated the ho-ho-ho job, and I just went back to look at my notes, and I haven't actually written it down. Mm. But, like, this and that episode kind of are a bit of an equivalent for me. Like, they don't feel like they're required in the viewing to understand the characters or the plot or anything. They yeah. just kind of feel like... Like, it's fun. Fun filler episodes. It adds depth to the characters, but it's nothing that's like, oh my gosh, wow. Like, it is... Yeah, like, I could have skipped this one and it wouldn't have fundamentally changed anything. Or at least, not that I'm aware of, I Mm -hmm. guess. But, yeah, like, I think it's fun. It's not... It's not a standout for me, I mm. think, is the, the main thing. All right, lovely. Well, next week's episode is called The 15 Minutes Job. What do you think it's about? Ooh. Oh, that's tricky because, like, I mean, immediately my thought is, like, oh, there'll be, like, a time crunch scenario of some kind. Yeah. But, like, it's a 40-minute-ish episode, so it clearly can't be, like, literally 15 minutes because I find that, oh, I mean, unless... Unless they maybe do that thing where it's just like they start off the episode by like kind of like they did with this episode. Like they start off by showing the cast in a situation and then they cut back to like 24 hours previously kind of thing. And then they show the lead up and then they're in that last 15 minutes. They have the time crunch element. Mm. I'm not 100% sure. Like obviously they're not going to pull an entire con in 15 minutes. Like I suppose there's nothing to say they couldn't, but it Mm. just seems unlikely. For the sort of levels of... uh insane yeah seems like a lot to do in 15 minutes which makes me feel like maybe there is an external factor that's causing the 15 minute criteria like maybe there is some kind of timer or like a i don't want to say a bomb because that doesn't feel leveragey leveragey yeah like i'm thinking like the last time we had a bomb was like when it was like in sophie's bars like that person yeah. brought it to her or whatever but like that's much more of like an immediate like i can't really think of a scenario where the team would be involved with a bomb that had a timer that was like delayed enough to like give them a chance to not have it detonate you know what I mean like it seems like a a flaw in a plan to give the team that leeway (laughs) of 15 minutes to solve the problem at least if like someone was intending on blowing them up I suppose if they came across a bomb then that's a different story I'm like they have come across bombs before like yeah it it would be the first of I'm just not 
I'm not 100% sure. Like a, like a timer or a countdown is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. I don't really... I mean, I guess it could just be anything, really. It's like it's one of those titles that kind of gives you everything and nothing. Mm. So it makes it quite hard to And there's nothing else against. that's like hitting in your brain that you're like, oh, it could be about this. That's it. That's your guess. Yeah, not really like unless that's right it, it just seems a bit like, like a non-guess so i was like do you have any other thoughts any the thing is that there's nothing about this episode that like leads into like an ongoing like plot or anything so it's not like a no. continuation the only other thing that's coming to mind is like a 15 minute mile which mm-hmm. like doesn't really mean anything to me because i don't know really how long a mile is you know and i can't tell if 15 minutes is like fast or not like i assume it is from context but i don't really know you know so maybe it's like a i don't know if it's like related to a marathon or something like do you know what i mean like that's the only other thing where i'm like 15 minutes okay rings any bells yeah no that's all good if you if you can think of nothing else that's okay like i was just like you seemed like your first answer seemed to be like really questioning like you didn't seem to have an actual answer so it's just like it's giving it's giving nothing you know it's not like the king george job where i'm like okay well like there are some immediate ties like 15 minutes could literally relate to anything it could be something like timed to 15 minutes. It could yeah. be like a 15 minute countdown. It I could will be- say the name of the episode does like, you know how some like this episode, it's like, unless you know the reference, it makes literally no sense. Yeah. Next week's episode, it makes a hundred percent sense. Okay. Cool. No cool. outside context really required. Cool. Okay. No so worries. you will, you will know next week exactly why it's called the 15 minute job. Like it's, it's very obvious why it's called what it's called when you actually watch the yeah. episode. I um, guess the only other thing that it could be is like, I mean, I said already like a bomb, like some sort of countdown. I'm wondering yeah. if it's like once they've disabled like whatever security system, they have a 15 minute window. Like they have to complete the job within that 15 yeah. minutes. Like it's got to be some kind of, I mean, there's got to be some kind of time constraint element, whatever, however that is presented. Because otherwise it doesn't really... Doesn't feel like an actual challenge. Yeah. And like I said, like it's a 40 minute episode. So there has to be something happening outside of that 15 minutes. But like 15 minutes has to be relevant somewhere. It will be interesting because I quite enjoy when shows, if they do introduce like a time limit, I quite like when they stick to it in real time. Mm. So like, for example, if they say like, oh, 10 minutes from now or whatever, I like that it actually is 10 minutes of watching time yeah and they don't just fabricate their own sort of time space continuum i guess like i enjoy when it's like oh i can literally start a timer now and 10 minutes from now is when the thing is gonna be you know is gonna come to fruition yeah yeah so i kind of hope that if they are doing that kind of thing that they do stick to that Mm -hmm. and i do think that leverage is the kind of show that has the potential to make that sort of plot really Mm -hmm. really engaging so i'm looking forward to it i don't really know what to expect but i'm looking forward to it that's all right all right lovely well thank you so much for listening to us today if you want to uh, interact with us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. We will put all of the links to everything in the description below. Feel free to join us in, you know, the Discord, the Twitter, the Tumblr, wherever you really want to. Um, and if you do want to interact with us at all, suggested conversation topics include... Who's your favourite fictional detective? Oh, yeah. I would love to know. Do you have a favourite fictional detective? Okay, this is so stupid. Yeah. And it's not actually like a real answer. I just remembered it existed. Do you remember Geronimo Stilton? No. The little mouse guy in the green jacket. He was, oh my God, you surely, this was a book series that was so popular when we were in primary school. Wait, 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 wait. Geronimo Stilton. I love how you remember this. This this is so desperate that I must Google it. (laughs) Do you not remember this guy? 
Do you not remember everyone going fuck? It was so hard to borrow a Geronimo Stilton book from the library. It does look familiar, but yeah. Oh my god, I love this little man. He's so actually Geronimo a little Stilton's mouse. your, your Geronimo, favorite fictional detective? I've just decided, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. That's so <laughs> dumb. I had literally not thought about Geronimo Stilton since I was about nine years old. Oh, I, I would like to know, did you work out sort of like, did you spot that the thunder was out of time Oh yeah. before it was pointed out? Because I didn't. I straight up didn't. Did Oh, I meant to ask you, did you figure out when you were first watching, like, did you solve the mystery? Yeah. Cool. I worked out that it was the detective. Yeah. I didn't work out, obviously, the entire plot of how it was done, but I did have a vague idea. So similar like, to me. Yeah. I Like, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was like a, it was a fun thing, but like, I wasn't significantly like oh my gosh oh my god the plot, plot twist. twist yeah 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 i would love to know though if someone like fully figured it out ahead of time mm-hmm. like you know please use this opportunity to brag i am very keen to hear it <laughs> all right lovely well thank you so much for joining us today if you want to listen to us again at all in the future you're more than welcome to please subscribe to us <laughs> and thank you so much for spending your morning evening afternoon <laughs> night lunch brunch whatever time of the day or night you decide to listen to us uh, thank you so much for spending it with us. Um, bye. Bye. That was so fucking awkward. <laughs> I love this. You're welcome to listen to us if you'd like. <laughs> like, actually, I know we're putting this in a public sphere, but don't you dare listen. <laughs> exactly how it works. Exactly. <laughs>